Chapter Eleven of the Radio Planet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Radio Planet by Ralph Milne Farley. Chapter Eleven. When Miles Cabot left his encampment beside the little brook, he hastened downstream to where the brook joined the big river, along the edge of which there stretched a sandy beach. Falling on his knees, he picked up handful after handful of the silver sands. There was still plenty of daylight left for him to examine the multitude of shiny metallic particles. There could be no doubt of it. These sands held some metal which could be separated out in much the same manner as that in which the california gold miners of eighteen forty nine used to wash for gold but only time would tell whether or not this metal was the much to be desired platinum which the radio man needed for the grids filaments plates and wires of his vacuum tubes on the morrow he would wash for this metal using the wooden pans which he had brought for that purpose the precious dust he would carry back to ver kingi melt it into small clumps if possible and then try to analyze its composition in his laboratory as he sat on the sandy beach and thus laid his plans his thoughts gradually wandered away from scientific lines and he began again to worry about lilla it was many days since she had sent the s o s which had recalled him from earth to poros whatever she had feared must have happened by now it was possible that he would never be able to effect a return to cupia why not then accept the inevitable settle down permanently among the bear kings and solace himself as best he could even an ordinarily stalwart soul would have done his best and have been satisfied with that but miles standish cabot possessed that indomitable will which had given rise to the peruvian proverb you cannot kill a minorian to such a man defeat was impossible he would rescue the princess lilla in the end that was all there was to it so he laid his plans with precision as he sat on the sandy shore of the peruvian river in the crimsoning twilight before the velvet darkness completely enveloped the planet the earthman arose from the sands and began to return up the valley of the little estuary but as he was hurrying along and was passing through a small grove of trees a dark form noiselessly dropped on him from above the creature lit squarely upon his back wrapping its furry legs around his abdomen and its furry arms around his neck although taken completely by surprise cabot wrenched the creature's feet apart and then threw it over his head as a bucking bronco would throw a rider a jiu-jitsu trick which he had learned from one of the jap gymnasts at college the roy for that is what cabot's assailant proved to be scrambled quickly to his feet although a bit stunned and crouched ready to spring at him again the earthman planted his feet firmly apart clenched his fists and awaited the onslaught then when the creature charged 
he met him on the point of the jaw with a well-aimed blow down crashed the furry one cabot was rubbing his bruised knuckles and viewing his fallen antagonist with some satisfaction when suddenly he was seized around the knees from behind and was hurled prone by one of the neatest football tackles he had ever experienced squirming quickly to a sitting position he dealt the roy who held his legs a stinging blow beside the ear the grip on his knees loosened and he was just about to scramble erect when a third assailant caught him around the throat and pulled him over backward then scores of these furry savages swarmed upon him from every side yet still he fought until his elbows were pinioned behind his back his eyes were blindfolded and a gag was placed between his teeth thereupon he ceased struggling not because there was no fight left in him but rather because he wisely decided to save his strength for some time when he might really need it so he offered no further resistance when he was picked up and thrown across a pair of brawny shoulders and carried off he knew not whither finally after what seemed many hours he was unceremoniously dumped onto the ground and then jerked roughly to his feet his bandage was snatched off and he found himself standing in the center of a circle of flares confronting a large squat and particularly repulsive gray furred roy who sat with some pretense of dignity upon a round boulder in front of him beside him stood another roy evidently the one who had brought him thither this one now spoke see the pretty verking which i have brought you if that's a verking the fat one remarked then i'm my own father if he isn't a verking the other countered then why does he wear verking leather armor answer me that verking or not the fat one declared he will do very nicely to string up by the heels and shoot arrows at for quite evidently he is no roy what say you to that my fine target the guard removed the gag i say miles evenly replied that you had better not take any such liberties with me and why not furless the seated roy sneered first let me ask you a question miles said who is king of the roys grod the silent or ot the terrible grod the silent most assuredly why do you ask and do you know prince otto his son otto the bold most assuredly know then the captive asserted that i am no ver king but rather a minorian which is a sort of creature i venture you have never met before furthermore i am a particular personal friend of otto the bold he will not thank you to string up cap of the minorian by the heels and shoot arrows into him i demand that i be taken before prince otto thereat the fat roy smiled a crafty smile i shall take you before ot the terrible he said it thus became evident that the fat chieftain had falsely asserted his belief in the kingship of grod for the purpose of securing from miles an admission as to which side the earthman favored the rest of the night miles spent on a pile of smelly bedding in a tent he was still bound and was kept under constant surveillance by a frequently changing guard 
by morning his arms below the elbows had become completely numb in spite of his having loosened his bonds somewhat by straining against them when the velvet night had given place to silver day the guard brought some coarse porridge in a rough stone bowl which he held to the prisoner's lips until it was all consumed miles thanked him politely and then asked if he would mind chafing the numbed arms for reply the soldier kicked him savagely get up he ordered the time is here to start the march you'll wish the rest of you were numb too when not the terrible start shooting arrows into your inverted carcass presently miles was driven into the open the tents were struck and loaded onto carts probably stolen from the ver kings and the furry warriors took up the march with their prisoner in their midst the fat chief alone rode in a cart all the others walked by straining at the thongs which bound his arms miles further loosened them sufficiently to relieve the pressure on his blood vessels and then by wiggling his fingers he managed finally to restore the circulation after that he began to take some interest in his surroundings his captors were a coarse-looking lot of brutes with long gangling arms thick-set necks low foreheads and prognathous jaws in general they more closely resemble the anthropoid apes of the earth than they resemble the really human although furred verkings their weapons wooden spears and swords and flint knives were like those of the verkings only cruder they marched without any particular order or discipline and jested coarsely with each other as they ambled along after taking in all this miles next turned his attention to the country through which they were passing the trail led upward into mountains this at once aroused his interest here and there he noted what he felt sure must be zinc blend yes and cropping out of the rocks on the left was an unmistakable rosette of galena crystal the radio man was sincerely glad that he had been captured and so he even joked jovially with the soldiers around him until they became quite friendly at one point their route lay across a foaming mountain stream by means of a log bridge as they were crossing over one of the furry soldiers had the misfortune to stumble and in another instant completely lost his footing and plunged headlong into the stream below he happened to be one who had recently become particularly chummy with the captive poor fellow one of the guard casually remarked it's too bad he can't swim i can miles shouted quick someone cut my cords and before anyone could interfere a young and impetuous roy had drawn his knife and severed the earthman's bonds thus permitting him to dive after the poor creature who was rapidly being washed downstream by the swift current it had all happened in an instant a few swift strokes brought miles up to the other but it became no easy matter to reach the shore however the troop of roy's showed much more interest in regaining their captive than they had shown in rescuing their comrade and thus by the aid of their spears finally dragged the two ashore then cabot was bound again and the march resumed 
the cards had detoured and so the fat chief had not seen the episode better not tell him anyone one of the guard admonished or it will go hard with the youngster our leader would not relish any chance of not being able to present this furless air king to Ot the terrible and will Ot shoot arrows into me miles asked most assuredly miles thought to himself i guess they are right especially if Ot knows how i was befriended by arky lou whom he covets then he asked and when am i to see the terrible one tomorrow morning was the reply however miles cabot fell asleep at the encampment that night wondering when he would get that radio set finished for a talk with lilla and wondering whether that really was galena crystal which he had passed on the road but galena crystal wasn't going to help him any with Ot the terrible end of chapter eleven recording by john brandon